is time for another Scarlet TCP companion episode. We love these episodes. These are the funnest episodes for us because we just get to sort of talk about our opinions about different kinds of content that relate to true crime. And yeah, it's super fun. It gives us an excuse to watch fun things that aren't directly related to our topics and then come talk about them. And we are taking on a topic today that is our first like fictional narrative topic that is not related to a true crime, but maybe not that far out there from what could be a real true crime. Well, I think that it documents and may help shine light on how some of our true crimes actually occur because sure. what we find in the the information and what we find about the project that we're talking about today or the production we're talking about today or, or the film that we're talking about today per se is that the joker starring joaquin phoenix um, which was released in 2019 i think he won an academy award for it right yeah, he won a golden globe and oscar for best actor in a drama and uh in a leading role uh, for those of you who are unaware of uh, Joker, not the Joker, but Joker, uh, we would highly suggest that you watch it and likely watch it before you actually listen to this companion episode because this episode is meant to be complementary to the work, the body of work, which is a theatrical feature film. And uh, it's a really great movie. I would suggest it. It's got a lot of uh, interesting and perplexing information. And for us, it does relate to true crime because, again, I feel like this is one of those areas where we struggle to understand how people could get into the state of mind where they could commit crimes. But for me, Joker really does explain a lot. It shows me how this is the path to um, mental illness and the lack of response to that mental illness and what could happen next. I I don't disagree with you. Uh, Spoiler alerts. In advance. Um, but I really have to agree with Sonia. I think you need to see this movie. I think one I think it's actually genuinely an important movie to see, but I think you should definitely see it before listening to this because not only are there spoiler alerts, but I've seen this movie three times now, and each time I have absorbed it and taken completely different things away from from it and how I've interpreted it and what I've thought about it. And I I emphasize to everyone I talk to about this, it's Joker. That's the name of the movie. It most people hear that and think it's a superhero Batman movie. That has almost nothing to do with it. They it, as far as I'm concerned, they only made it in the Batman universe and made the character of the Joker probably to make some more money. And it, it helps, you know, if you are a comic book fan, it probably helps with the lore of the Joker because the backstory is so mysterious. But there is very little about it that actually has anything to do with comic books or Batman or the Joker character. Uh, somewhat, somewhat. There are definitely, um, I mean, I think the Joker or, you know, the character of the Joker is sort of, you know, is important um, for a lot of reasons. You know, he's that... To me, probably one of the best villains that I've ever seen. Agreed. Um, 
in all the different ways that he's portrayed. I mean, I, I've always found him the most fascinating. My favorite Joker would be in The Killing Joke. Uh-huh. Um, that graphic novel to me was amazing. Uh, also, I really like Heath Ledger's Joker uh-huh. in The Dark Knight, and I know you do too as well. You know I love him. I also like the Joker character in the Arkham Asylum games. Yeah. So sure. I, I, and one of the reasons I like him, like I like that character is because in in one of the games, if I'm not mistaken, you can play the Joker instead of playing the good guy. So I think you, can, you, you, you can, can play the villain. Play like at certain levels or something. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, that Joker is voiced by Mark Hamill, who voices the Joker in the animated series. Is it the same character or is it, are they different characters? They're different characters. They are. Okay. Yeah. Somewhat. I mean, they're all essentially the same. Yeah, for sure. He's a broken guy who takes it out on the rest of the world. How he gets there, that path is different depending upon, you know, how what what you're what you're watching right and, and each uh i have not read the killing joke i've wanted to for years I, they even made that into a movie kind of it's like a motion comic right yeah it's exa- really good you should watch it have you seen it yeah oh i haven't seen it i yeah. actually heard it wasn't that great yeah. but okay yeah I'd, I'd like to see it uh but the thing about the joker there is there's no origin story right so Anyone that takes up the mantle, whether it's a writer creating a new comic book or an actor portraying a character or a director coming up with that character in a movie, it's always coming up with their own story and deciding for themselves what they want it to be because there is no history. Well, I think that's what... There's no canon history, I should say. I think that's what attracted Todd Phillips to this this character in this movie, honestly. Agreed. Was the ability to make it his own. And let's talk a little bit about Todd Phillips because I have enjoyed some of his, um, his films. I have not enjoyed some of his films and that's okay you know i mean i get it so let me give you a little list of the todd phillips uh go for it as a director um he did what i've never seen and i really want to see because i've always been really interested in is in 1993 he did hated a documentary about gg allen and the murder junkies which i I don't know anything about that. to say that I've been a fan of Gigi Allen, but, you know. I don't even know who that is. He's an old punk, you know. I kind of thought so. Rock and roll dude who did some really disgusting things on stage to shock and awe. Um, Yeah, and then he died. Okay. Uh, That's enough that I, I mean, there's a lot in between. But it's an interesting subject for a documentary, and it's kind of surprising. He did that in 93. Um, Then he did Frat House, a documentary. God only knows what that's about. Um, And then he did Bittersweet Motel, which is a documentary. So he did a lot of documentaries in the beginning of his career. Uh Uh-huh. Then he did Road Trip. Old school, Starsky and Hutch, <laughs> not so great. I actually thought that was better than it had any right to be. But yes, you hit it right <laughs> on the head. Um, school for Scoundrels, no idea what that is. The More Things Come, Change, it's a TV movie, who knows. Yeah. Uh, the Hangover, my favorite. Uh-huh. That was wonderful for a lot of reasons, yeah. not necessarily Todd Phillips. And I give credit where credit is due for directors, but he had an, a stellar cast. Yes, so he did. he really put it together. I mean, to me, the, the characters are what really, what really made it and drove it home for me um he did due date he did the hangover two and three which were okay whatever um he did war dogs which i oh don't think i've seen i don't remember if i I can picture i don't remember if i've seen it though i've seen the thumbnail on netflix and that's the extent of it okay um and then he did in 2019 the joker yeah and then you know what is current Brittany, which all roads lead back for you he's doing a uh 
a Hulk Hogan biopic. Really? Uh-huh. Uh, who's playing Hulk Hogan? Oh. Well, that's interesting. I can only imagine what road that's going to go down because, you know, as we've, we've known in the past couple of years, Hulk Hogan has um, yeah. had some challenges, we'll say. Yeah, he's a, he's a very polarizing person and character. Yeah. Because there's both the person and the character. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if Hulk at, some, at times can figure out what the difference is, but I remember that show. I mean, besides working with Hulk Hogan on a couple yeah. of different shows. Uh-huh. And then... See, I watched a little bit about that. His show he did is his, his he did that show with his family, like Hogan knows best or something. However, that was yeah. I watched it because that was in Clearwater, Florida, and oh. I'm from Florida. Back okay. again, uh-huh. here we go. And if you were in Florida and if you were in Clearwater and on the beach, you would always see Hulk Hogan running around his sure. giant cigarette boat wherever you were on the Gross. beach. I mean, it was just, bleh. um, but typical of the time. And uh, you know, then he and to me, I think that's where Hulk Hogan started to unravel was when they did that show about his family. And it did not shine in him in a good light. Well, it didn't. He was also going through divorce at that time. Uh, his daughter was starting to become famous, maybe not for the right reasons. Oh, uh, Brooke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't that know sounds where she right. Went. Uh, I don't know what she's doing now or if she's doing much of anything now. Um, And I feel like he was fighting to stay relevant. It was a weird time in his life. It was. It was a dangerous time, too, because um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, his son got in an accident or a car accident yeah, and something like someone. I think that sounds right. Yeah. That's something ringing a bell. Bad things happened. And yes, it's, for sure. it's sad, you know, because they had everything. Yeah, And definitely. then it just really fell apart. And then I think his, his wife or his soon-to-be ex-wife was dating his son's friend. It was, there were lots of creepy things about it. Yeah. And it then, and, well, yeah. And then there was this, like, some... It wasn't in a porno, but he said something about like. Well, it's the the Bubba the Love Sponge. You uh, that's know, what it love was. Triangle. Yeah, we'll get into it because those guys have their own issues, and I don't even want to sure. go down that road no, about okay. Howard Stern and all that shenanigans. But that's what Todd Phillips yeah, is yeah, doing definitely. recently. Um, so as we said, Joker was a 2019 psychological thriller. Um, directed and produced by Todd Phillips, and he co-wrote it with Scott Silver. And Scott Silver has also done other movies, which you may or may not, may not be aware of. He directed and wrote Mod Squad, which was not exactly super great. It was a popular '70s show, I think. Right? It was had the opportunity there to be a really cool movie, and I don't yeah. know what happened. No. Um, he wrote Eight Mile. Oh, okay. He wrote the wrote Joker. Joker. Yeah, as we said. He wrote The Fighter, and I think he won an Academy Award for it or was that nominated. That was a pretty decent movie. Yes, agreed. Yeah. Um, and then he also, sidebar, because Brian and I talk about it frequently in random conversations, he got a special thanks on the Requiem for the Dream credits, oh. which I don't know what part he played in Requiem for a Dream, but to get a special thanks. I'm, I don't I'm, know. He probably brought someone coffee someday. No, I have a feeling he did some polishing or punching up in areas that he may or may not have wanted like to get would... credit for. Oh, mm. I see. It's a tough movie. It is a tough movie. Okay. Yeah. I okay. mean, even a suggestion, you know, yeah. could have turned that movie completely yes. to, into something else. And, sure. And for me, as you, as I always you say. You never I, want to see that movie ever again. I can't. And I have a feeling that some of those turns are why I can't watch that movie ever okay. again. Fair. So I've only ever seen the rated version. Oh, yeah, I know. I've heard the un- still bad. It's bad, but I, from what I've heard, the unrated version is much worse. I'm n- I'm sure I saw the unrated version. Um, 
Mm, but yeah, e- even the suggestion of what was in the unrated version to me was just terrible. Yeah, I a sad that. situation. <laughs> oh, it is. It's it, it's a tough movie to watch for yep. sure. So you know, as we Joaquin Phoenix plays Joker. Uh huh. Uh, Brittany, give us a little rundown of what happens in that movie. So, um, our, our Joaquin Phoenix plays Arthur Fleck, who is a, I suppose you could say, hard on his luck character. It takes place in the, in an undefined year, but suggested probably like early to mid 1980s. And Arthur is a for hire clown. He works for like a clown agency. And he really loves his job. The movie opens. He's one of the guys like spinning a cardboard thing for like going on a business sale. And he is hired to be a, uh, to entertain kids in a children's hospital. And he's using this to parlay into becoming a stand-up comic because that's, that's his goal. It's what he's always wanted to do in life. But the thing about Arthur is he... I think he had, and I said I've seen this movie three times, and I don't remember the details of this. I think he had a traumatic brain injury, or he had something that causes him to have a tick where when he's put into uncomfortable situations, he laughs uncontrollably. And it's not laughter because he finds it funny. It's just something he can't control. It's a defense mechanism. I do the same thing. No, it's more than a defense mechanism. It's it's literally like it's like a real thing, like Tourette's almost. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I have that in intimate situations, by the way. Not, I mean, if you know, well, me well, I get like awkward and uncomfortable in those situations. But no, it's like a Tourette's type thing. Yeah, no, mine is yeah a little bit worse than that. Unfortunately, okay. I'm kind of known for it, and it's embarrassing. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, but he, he actually carries around this uh, this card that when he gets into this laughing fit, he hands over to people that explains mm-hmm. that he can't control and. He's not trying to mock them or make fun of them. This is something he can't control. Right. Uh, and as part of that, plus part of his upbringing, he lives kind of in squalor with his mother, who is uh, destitute and can't really take care of herself. So he definitely has a lot of psychological issues. Well, remember, his mother, I mean, a lot of these psychological issues we find as we watch this uh-huh. come from his mother. They stem from his mother. Yes. And his mother, um, I think, I mean, not to blow over you guys, you guys really got to watch you this really movie before we talk about it. But, you know, his mother contributed to his issues. Um, there are suggestions that she abused him as well yep. as he was abused by others. So traumatic brain injury for uh, from an abuse um, abusive situation is not uncommon. And no. that's... That's that's the the ongoing issue is that the abuse sort of leads to more abuse to more abuse. And that's I mean, that's textbook, really. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and so he he knows he has psychological, really psychiatric issues and he is being proactive by trying to get help. But he can't afford help, so he is, uh, he's really essentially on state aid and sent to a state social worker who's probably not actively or appropriately trained to deal with his type of condition and largely writes him off by writing him prescriptions and sending him on his way. Right. I think just another example of being pushed through the system and not really, um, being, you know, there's no, there's no attention being paid to what his needs really are. And and the social worker is clear, you know, she's like, look, we're out of funding. You're on your own. Yeah. You know, and we'll tell him and, and 
what's different and in, interesting about this movie that I thought was really smart of Todd Phillips is there are times where and most of the time it appears that Arthur Fleck is lucid. He is. He is. It's hard to tell what's happening inside of him if you don't see his behavior and, you know, over time. Right. He looks normal, you know, and then these breaks happen and then it's the the point of no return. Right. And so there are a few key things that I found really interesting and, and like startling, but also important. He carries around a journal that he refers to kind of as his joke book. And every once in a while, there'll be a quick shot that's like a close-up of the journal. And it's not just scribble. It's not just nonsense. There's real stuff in there. And probably the most poignant part in there that really stuck with me is there's a line in there that says, everyone wants... Oh, God, I wish I could remember it exactly. Something along the lines of... Everybody wants people with mental illness to act like they don't have mental illness. Yeah. And I thought, oh my God, that is so poignant. And to your point, the funding is cut from the Gotham City, the city of Gotham, which is how he's getting his funding to be able to go see the social worker. And he asks her, how am I going to get my medicine because he just wants his medicine to keep going. And right. and she says to him, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. And I don't remember if this this same visit or if it was a, a separate visit. But another thing that he says to her is, you keep asking me how I'm feeling, but you're nev- you never hear me. All I have are negative thoughts. Yeah. He's, he's, really, he's really honest and he's forthright and he is able to articulate that he has issues and they should be paying attention. He is reaching out. He is yeah. asking for help. Yeah. But he's not getting it. Yeah. He's just getting pushed around. I mean, they just disregard. And so the trigger point for him comes where he is on his way home from a gig being a clown. Mm-hmm. He is on an L train, Gotham. It looks like it's supposed to be New York City. And uh, he's on an L train and these three seemingly well-to-do guys in suits start singing the song, Send in the Clowns, and start mocking him. And they come over and they're like teasing him and pushing him. And he pulls out a gun and shoots two of them. Mm-hmm. And the third then starts running from train car to train car. And Arthur chases after him. Train comes to a stop, and Arthur gets out of the train. The other guy's watching, stays back in. Arthur gets back in the train. Other guy gets out, essentially playing a game of chicken. And the guy's trying to time it so that way he can escape just in time so Arthur's stuck on the train. They end up both off the train. Arthur chases him down and kills him. Mm -hmm. And so now he's snapped, and this is his turning point. And I I really like this movie because I realized that – there are moments that, you know, like when Arthur and the girl and the boy or the girls, you know, they're dating yeah. and he's got the the son. I didn't realize till quite a while later that that was probably not that was a delusion on his part. It was a delusion. And so then I had to check myself and go, 
when did the delusion start? Exactly. Where, where, I don't know where that needle was. Exactly. So earlier in the movie, he befriends a neighbor who has a young child and really kind of develops a crush on her. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, it seems like they kind of like start dating. Yeah. Uh, they're close. They're together. She He goes and does a stand-up set, and it goes terribly, but she's there to like cheer him on and make him feel better. Yep. What he would need in a relationship if he had one. Exactly. His mother gets sick and goes into the hospital. She's by her bedside with him, supporting him, holding his hand. Yeah. It's kind of a touching situation because this guy who's clearly crying out, he he has someone now. Right. Well, he has a purpose. Yeah, sure. Or sure. we think he does. Um, and then I think over time we realize that I, 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 I think that he, he, they find her and the boy in the apartment, right? Don't that he kills them, doesn't he? So it's unclear if he kills them okay. because early on in the movie, when they the first encounter is the elevator kind of like stalls. It's this rickety old elevator in this old building. It kind of stops for a second on the way up to their floor. She like grabs her fingers and does like two fingers to her uh, her temple, like she's pulling a gun yeah. and like, like she's over it like, like kill me now exact, kind of you know exactly um and he kind of laughs so then later he kills his mother in the hospital bed yep he's escalating now and he goes to find her and he goes into her apartment at this point we still think it's you know a real relationship yep she comes out of the bedroom shocked and startled that he's there yeah and it appears that she doesn't know him or very well in right way. she says your name's arthur right you're in the wrong apartment right you live down the hall yeah and now it seems that he knows that this was all in his head yep and he's to your point starting to become lucid again mm-hmm. and she says something about like take whatever you need you know or i'm gonna call the cops but please you know don't hurt me my son is my son is asleep in the other room and he turns to her and does the double finger gun to the temple and then the next shot you see is him walking out of her apartment yeah so it's unclear that he kills her but it's at least implied that that's what happened i i am under the impression that he killed her because he if not he would have to deal with the fact that that all of that previous relationship that he thought he had didn't exist and right. the reality of that. So rather than deal with that sad information that, you know, the probably the only thing that was holding him together, you know, he would just rather get rid of it. Exactly. You know, it's a front against him. If it's not for him, it's against him. Yeah. And I think that's his approach to everything at that point. And I'm not surprised, you know, I mean, this is a person who was alienated and, you know, the only attention he got was when he finally acted out. Yeah, exactly. And all of a sudden, he started getting the right kind of attention for him or what he felt was the right kind of attention. Because after he killed those three guys who happened to work for, uh, what's his name, Bruce Wayne's dad, whatever his, Charles? Something Wayne. Something Wayne. Worked at Wayne Manor or whatever it was, uh, or Wayne Enterprises Industries, whatever they're called. Uh, The report is that it was a clown that did it. Mm -hmm. And... 
he becomes a symbol for the lower class rising up to the upper class and right. overthrowing them. So now anarchy is starting to take over in the streets of Gotham and people are wearing clown masks. And he knows that they're doing that based on his actions. So now he's starting to get motivated. Yeah. Well, he's, again, he's finally got an audience. He's finally, um, it's, you know, making some mark for himself, well, good for good or bad, you know, he's got some momentum here and he's going to enjoy in that moment. And because he doesn't have his medication and he's not dealing with his mental issues, it's just propelling him in a direction that, you know, he finally feels like he's in control of. Yep. So then uh, a recurring theme throughout the movie is there's a late night talk show host played by Robert De Niro. I don't remember the guy's name, uh, but he's like a you know a Jay Leno, David Letterman type character. Johnny Carson, I guess, is, would be apropos since this takes place in the 80s. And Arthur and his mom are huge fans of this guy. Yeah. And they are, you know, they're they're so happy and they're so excited that every night they watch him together before they go to bed. And in one of Arthur's stand-up routines, in which he is not a good stand-up comedian, this late-night comic gets a hold of one of the tapes, and Arthur sees it on his show and can't believe it. This is his moment. He made it. But he actually makes fun of him for how bad he is. Yeah. Which is consistent with the way that Arthur's been treated his entire life. Exactly. And in somewhat of a twist, if you've seen the trailers, it's not really much of a twist, he gets a call from the show because they've had such positive feedback from his, uh, from the clips that they showed that they want him featured on that show. To make fun of him. To make fun of him, but Arthur doesn't realize it's to make fun of him. I don't think. I don't know if he realizes it or not. I'm I don't not know sure if he either. cares. He may not care. He just wants to get that opportunity. Exactly. And so throughout all of this, he's continuing to escalate. He killed the guys on the train. He uh, smothered his mother, which actually he did that after seeing himself on this show. Mm-hmm. He probably killed the woman and her child. Probably. Uh, two of his fir- former clowns are us co-workers come over to his place to give their condolences for the death of his mother. He kills one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's... This really, what I think is going to be an iconic scene, if it isn't already, of him on this huge staircase dancing. Yeah. Uh, He's like dancing with himself. Yeah, exactly. Then he gets on the train and kills someone else. I think killed a cop? I don't remember. He killed someone else and essentially is now starting a riot. Right. Um, And he's in full Joker garb at this point. Yeah. So he gets to the show, he's in the green room, and now he's fully embodied this character. The show host, Robert De Niro's character, comes in, introduces himself, and Arthur says, can you do me a favor? Can you introduce me as Joker? And he's, like, practiced this. Sure. He has practiced how he's going to come on the show. And... The production manager, producer, whoever it is, thinks this guy's crazy, but the host, Robert De Niro, is like, yeah, sure, whatever, I don't care, just 
give the guy whatever he wants. So they are starting the show. Um, there's a guest on. It's Arthur's turn to come on. They introduce him as Joker. He has this grand, glorious entrance, full Joker garb, comes on, and starts getting made fun of right away. Just like he may or may not have known was going to happen, but pretty much is what happened before. And he was brought on to be mocked and laughed at. So the climax of the movie happens when Robert De Niro asks him to tell us a joke. So he starts with a knock-knock joke. And Robert De Niro makes one of them. Was that the best you can do? And Arthur gets angry. And he says, all right, all right, tell me another joke. And Arthur starts the joke, something about, I don't even recall what it was. And he pulls out a gun and on live national television shoots Robert De Niro's character twice, point blank range through his head, kills him. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's mass hysteria. Next thing you do, you go to, it's chaos in the streets. Mm-hmm. Everyone running around in Joker or clown masks. There's another quick tie-in with Batman. Um, Other than this really taking place in Gotham with the Wayne family and Batman as a kid, Bruce as a kid, there's really no other, very few other ties into the Batman lore. Uh, and, And really the movie, well, just before it ends, he is like standing on top of a cop car and this iconic like leader of this new movement. Next shot, he is in a white padded room as is classic and you know you see all the time for these people that in, in, in movies, white padded rooms where they put crazy people and he's talking to a psychiatrist. It's implied he starts laughing. Psychiatrist asks what's wrong. And he said, I just thought of something funny. Next shot is he's seen walking out with blood on his hands and walking away. And I thought that's where the movie was going to end. Mm-hmm. But then he walks away all confident the way they expect the Joker to. And this actually took me out of the moment. Then he is being chased by guards. And that's how the movie ends is him being chased by guards. I don't think that didn't take me out of the moment because I, so here's where I was. Why did it take you out of the moment? Because two things. One, it's, if you look at the Joker character in itself, the Joker is this confident, untouchable guy, right? He's this leader of a movement. And depending on which Joker character, I don't know the Joker that you referenced from the killing joke. Mm -hmm. Of course, my favorite Joker is Heath Ledger. And one of the reasons why I love him so much is he is a leader of a movement, just like Arthur is, but Arthur's accidental. Heath Ledger's Joker is intentional. Mm-hmm. Heath Ledger's Joker is manipulative. And when we think we understand where he's coming from in his backstory, he flips the script and we realize it's all BS and he's made it all up. And he's really just doing what he's doing because... Some people just want to see the world burn. And he's doing it just for that reason. 
Yeah, I and those are very different Joker They're characters. They're very different Joker characters. And so in my mind, Arthur walking out confident, blood on his hands, probably just killed this psychiatrist, assuming he's in Arkham Asylum. He's about to walk out the door and take that lead. He went from being this confident, top-level guy to just another crazy inmate they were chasing down. Well, I think the... You have to think of, I mean, agree. They're very, those are very different. And I think that the Heath Ledger Joker is less like the comic book Joker because the comic book Joker at the end of the day, while in control, was frequently, he was in control sometimes. He was frequently out of control. Uh-huh. And he was ultimately a trickster. He enjoyed the chase. He enjoyed right. ta- taunting people. And so it was never, he, the control that Heath Ledger had as as the Joker in The Dark Knight wasn't like your typical Joker. It was actually more like the Arthur Fleck character where he enjoyed antagonizing and inciting. Exactly. exactly. I see, after rewatching that movie a few times, I see this almost being as a prequel to the Heath Ledger Joker. I see the two of them being closer related than other Jokers. Because then I look at the Jack Nicholson Joker... And see more of what you just described. He's a trickster, but he's also the leader of a movement. He's more of the wealthy type guy, but he has a backstory, but he's got a following still, too. He likes playing jokes, and he likes tricking people, and he's about the comedy. Yeah. But I he's think, less evil. I Yeah. I think that this the, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker is the least evil of them, and he's more about, I mean, he's almost like acts like a child. He gets more evil because it gets him attention. I think the Heath Ledger Joker enjoys um, enjoys the evil, and the Jack Nicholson Joker. I don't even know if I count those in the same realm of. They're very, craziness. very different. Yeah, I I think that Jack made up his own Joker character, which is Maybe. totally fine, sure. and it was uh, closely resembling Jack in yes, general, yeah. especially the power he had in Hollywood at that time. Yeah, but um, I. If I had to choose between the Heath Ledger Joker and the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, I would probably say that I would skew more towards the Joaquin Phoenix character. As far as what? Me and what I want to see from the Joker character. Okay. Not because there are so many different... I mean, everybody portrays Joker in a different way. Because there is no true backstory. Yeah. But... You know, when you think about his relationship, you know, I just don't think that I th- I think that Heath Ledger Joker was far smarter than the the Joker as in it was intended. The Heath Ledger Joker was calculated and smart. Very much so. And that's yeah. part of the reason why I like that character so much. But I much. think that if you look at the real Joker, the, well, the Joker in all the other portrayals, uh-huh. he's not he's not that smart. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. He's never he's it's always sort of. Back. He's in, he's successful in spite of himself and just because he's really good at manipulating and being evil. Yeah. Not necessarily because he's he's really, really intelligent. Got it. And Arthur Fleck wasn't really, really intelligent. Not at all. Arthur wasn't intelligent at all. Yeah. So I'm... It's a kind of a buffoon. Well, yes. So I said I've watched this movie three times. Each time I've watched it, I've had completely different takes on it. The first time I watched it was when it came out in theaters, opening weekend. In my opinion of it, I think was pretty much exactly what your opinion is mm-hmm. he is, and and i i saw and that was 
I think in October or something. And it was, it was the type of movie that I said, I don't ever want to see that movie again. I said, I think I, everyone I talked to, I, <laughs> I told, I think it's an important movie. Yeah. I think you, it needs to be seen, but it's, it's a movie that really makes you question society. And what the hardest part for me was I saw this character as someone that was clearly reaching out for help. And not getting it. And that drove him to doing evil things. Mm. And that was very challenging for me. Because I in no way could justify what he was doing. But I could. There was a small part of me that could understand it. Because he wanted help. He did everything he could. And he didn't get it. So he took measures into his own hands. Yeah, but the measures he took into his own hands were to get himself help. It was to retaliate against those who wouldn't give it to him. But I feel like he had that in him all along. And that I'm going to get to that in a second. And it just took over. He was asking for help because he was telling people, this is what's going to become of me if you don't help me like I'm asking you to. I can't stop it. It's a moving train that if you don't get in the way, it's going to speed past and I'm going to crash. Hmm. And that's what happened. Interesting. So that was the first time I saw it. Yes. The second time I saw it, I really just watched it just as a movie, just for entertainment purposes, and appreciated it on a different level, and just appreciated it as being a really good movie. And I think it is a really good movie. Yeah. I, I applaud Todd Phillips, because I just really didn't know he had it in him, honestly. Totally. And then now I watched it again last night. And I actually had a different take from the first time I watched it. Really? I did. I started to watch it as kind of in line with my first thought, but not so much as someone who was crying out for help, but as someone who was always evil and was just going through the motions to pretend to try and get help. But he was always going to go there anyway, and it was up to him to stop it, and he didn't want to stop it. Well, I think that's the problem with mental illness is that, you know, I, I can completely understand every single time you watch I've only watched it once. Right. And I'll probably feel differently after I watch it again. I don't know if just watching it once I think that he was always evil. I'm not even sure if you have that real – if anybody has the, you know – are you truly evil are you truly good i think there's everybody's always somewhere in between i don't know if arthur fleck had the control to 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 do any anything honestly i think that he was completely at the whim of his emotional state at the time so i think that for me it's giving him a, a lot more credit than i think we should because okay. i don't know if he just i don't know if he had that kind of control sure um and then at that point, you know, when when you have mental illness kick in, you know, I mean, it comes in a lot of ways and it's hard to tell. I mean, you know, when it's OK. So say, for instance, you see somebody on the street mm -hmm. and they are obviously having mental issues. Yeah. Maybe they're homeless. Right. They are a person who has the the potential to harm you. Sure. Are you are they evil or are they just ill? You know, I mean, yeah. that's. That's the problem that is tough, you know, because if you judge every mentally ill person as evil, 
then where are we going to be with rehabilitating these people or protecting them from themselves, themselves or others? I think that's the challenge. If we dismiss them as good or evil, um, you know, then it gets really hard and f- it's it's a slippery slope when we start talking about who deserves mental health and who doesn't. I completely agree. I mean, it's tough. Like, Yeah, it's totally tough. So w- the last episode that we did, Brittany, where we talked about um, – you know, Gypsy Rose Blanchard and how she participated in the murder of her mother, um, which, you know, hey, we would suggest to you guys, you know, please listen to that episode. It's really interesting. That case is fascinating. But again, you know, it's hard for me to discern at what point Gypsy was a victim and when she became the person who committed or participated in the crime that ultimately led to her mother's death. Definitely. I have a hard time finding out where that stopped and where that started. Agreed. Do I think that she has good in her? Yes. But uh, for 23 years, she was taught how to manipulate and to do very bad things by her mother. Uh huh. So is she evil because of that? I don't think so. Right. So I don't know how much control people have over that within themselves, especially when it comes to situations that either may be out of their control or because they have issues, mental health issues that would keep them from making those good choices. So I don't know. I don't know the answer. No. Um, It's hard, you know, because for if you live in LA and you live in Orange County, if you live anywhere in California, really, you you see a lot of homeless people these days. Unfortunately, And it's awfully hard to figure out what, what's best to do in those situations because we none of us want to be judging anyone who's no. living and who's indigent who has issues and mental health problems but at the same time we feel the need to protect ourselves because they may be incapable of controlling themselves in the moment and they may they may harm us and that's a struggle it totally is it's a it's a tough conversation and that's what i think made this movie such a tough watch initially is because it and and why i think it's such an important watch for everyone because it forces you to think about these things that are uncomfortable to think about and it, it makes you look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself those questions about how do you handle that yeah i mean i don't i can safely say i wouldn't ever make fun of someone but would i question you know, if I'm in proximity to someone who may have issues, how close I want to be to them yeah. or not connect with them because I'm worried about my own safety. Yeah, definitely. Well, you just kind of said it. Unfortunately, it's not uncommon where we live that we have to make those decisions. Yeah. I mean, it's it's terrible right now. The state of, of you know, homelessness in this entire country is really sad. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. Well, I did most of the talking. I wasn't planning on doing that much talking in this episode. That's all right. I think uh, you did a great job. Oh, well, I think thank you. Uh, we. Ta- I I know you had a lot of passion about this uh, this movie, and I'm glad we got to talk about it. And I think we talked about some really relevant and important things that needed to be discussed. And we hope that you guys, as listeners, will take a look at Joker by directed by Todd Phillips and um, enjoy it. But also, I hope it leads you to think about those things and um, think about how you may be helpful in those situations or how you may sort of revisit your um you know your behavior um in in how we can help people in general just get some real needed help that was a very nice way to wrap this up and uh i think we're gonna leave it with that
Before we wrap this up, we want to give a shout out to the Pod All The Time podcast network that we, Scarlet TCP, are proud members of. Other members of the Pod All The Time podcast network are Creative Intuitive, Another Digital Citizen, History of a Haunting, Round and Round the Podcast, Real AKA Truth Podcast, Ruck Up Podcast, Random Unnamed Podcast, Suburban Folk, Three Peas in a Podcast, Raw Sex Podcast, I Think We're Doing It Podcast. So if you like what you're hearing from Scarlet TCP, check out these other shows, the members of the Pod All The Time Podcast Network. So Scarlettos, Scarlet TCP fans, we hope you enjoyed this. Please like, share, and subscribe. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And any other final words? Nope, nope. Have a good week, guys. Stay tuned for more episodes, and um, we'll definitely be doing more companion episodes. All right, stay healthy. We are the Ladies of Scarlet. Later, Scarlettos. Keep killing it. <laughs>